and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and I just want to say we're really glad that you joined us today. If you're new to the church, make sure to visit us online at hilltopchurchnv.com and fill out one of the online connection cards. We'd love to get connected with you and just say hello. While you're there, you can also find out more information about the church, get connected with Bible studies, submit prayer requests, and even find other sermons on the website as well. Now, make sure that you have your coffee, have your Bible, and your notepad ready to go, because we're about to get started with today's message. Um, We're taking a little bit of a break from the book of Hebrews here. We'll take one week off, and we're going to be in Psalm 23 this morning. And what we're going to do is we'll go through the passage. It's only six verses, should be fairly familiar to you. This is one where David, at the end of his life, is looking back and remarking on everything that God has been for him, namely his shepherd. Uh, But then he describes 10 different things that God is to him. And so we're going to talk about that as we go through the passage. But then also with Jerry and Mike and Ty, we'll talk about kind of if that's who God is to us, then how can we as fathers be a mirror of that to our children? And so that's kind of what we'll look at today. Now, maybe you're not a dad. Um, Maybe, maybe obviously only some of you could be dads, but um, (laughs) in spite of what our culture says, um, only some of you could be dads. But uh, um, you can also apply this to being a a leader, being a mother, being a grandfather, a grandmother, whatever the case may be. So the idea here is who is God to to us as David describes him, and then how are we going to then mirror that to the people in our lives um, and in in meaningful ways. And so Jerry Beatty here next to me, he is a, a member of the greeter team. You guys probably see him as you come in. And He's also one of the guys that teaches at Monday Night Men's Group, a very good teacher of God's Word. Uh, Definitely when Jerry's turn rolls around, he's one of my favorite guys to listen to on Monday night. Not that I have favorites, Um, but uh, but Jerry Jerry is a really good teacher. Mike Friend over here, Mike is a member of the deacon board. I know him as an analytical guy. Our kids are the same age, and we've got to work on a couple of different projects at the church. But an analytical guy, but he's analytical and also very practical, which those two things don't always go together. Um, But Mike really does do a good job of being analytical with the scripture, but then saying, okay, how can we use this in our life? And that's one of the things I love about getting to hear Mike teach at the Monday Night Men's Group. And then does anybody know Ty over here? Anybody know Ty? Okay, hey, there's Ty. Um, Ty McMillan is a member of the greeter team. He heads that up right now. He's also the interim leader for the men's ministry and uh, somebody that I look up to, a good friend that I've known for a long time. I get to play golf with Jerry and Ty. You play golf, Mike? No, okay, all right. Well, maybe we'll find something else. Um, But uh, Ty is a teacher at Carson High School, hosts the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in his classroom. Um, He's involved with uh, with studies in the morning with different men through different congregations and teachers at the school, and so really great guy uh, to be able to hear from this morning. So what I want to do, as I, as I said already, we'll, we'll go through Psalm, Psalm 23, and then we'll talk about each set of verses and uh, uh, kind of look for some real-life application from this as well. Before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you grateful that you are our shepherd. You are the one guiding and leading. You are the one worthy to be trusted. Um, you have shown your love your faithful love to us, your loyal love and your goodness has been shown to us most, most clearly in the person of your son, Jesus, and in the, the grandest way in his death on the cross for our sin, his burial into the grave to 
do away with sin and death once and for all, and then his resurrection from the dead to give us new life. What an amazing message. It's so simple that sin broke our relationship with you, that there was a tremendous cost for sin, that you paid that cost through the blood of your son, that he was then raised from the dead at defeating sin and death, and we can have life everlasting when we trust that that's who your son Jesus is and that's what he's done. I pray for anyone here this morning that has not trusted that message that today would be their day of salvation. And for the rest of us, God, may we lean deeper into our relationship with you and look for ways that we can share you with the most important people in our lives. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first two verses here in Psalm 23, David says, The Lord, and when you see L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, all caps like that, that's God's Old Testament name, either Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to deal with the vowels. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Uh, he He lets me or makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. And so the first thing to look at there is that David says that the Lord is not a shepherd or the shepherd. He says he's my shepherd. Um, And that's an interesting thing that each of us can say. If we submit our lives to following him, we can say that God is our shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's the one leading me, very personal God. And I have what I need. I have that security in him. And then what we see in lying down in green pastures and beside quiet waters is that uh, we have sufficiency. We have everything that we need in our relationship with God. Um, And so as we look at the first set of questions here, what does security with God as my shepherd mean? And how can fathers instill this, this kind of security into their children? Which one of you guys wants to go first here? Security with God as my shepherd. I'll take it first. Um, just looking at, I wanted to see what what is a shepherd. I mean, I haven't grown up with them. When I moved to Carson, they're up on the hill, which is kind of interesting to see. And we go up there and look at them, and we found out that they live among the sheep. They have a little hut. It's not very glorious, but they have to be with them to feed them, to protect them, to be up there and guide them. Because, um, as you know, sheep kind of just wander around. I've seen them wander off, and then all of a sudden that they send the dogs out and bring them back in. Because sheep wander, and they're not as smart as we think they are. I know there's a America's Funniest Videos. One of those, one of the ones that comes to mind is a, there's a farmer trying to pull a sheep. Has it's up up to in the mud. It's up to its neck, trying to pull it out. He finally pulls it out, and the thing hops around all excited and then jumps right back in. And the farmer throws his hands up. But I feel like that's a great illustration of kind of how we are with God, and that God is willing to get into the mud with us, is willing to get it down there with us. And that's kind of what the shepherd means to me. It's personal. He's willing to, he's willing to uh, correct us, pull us back out, and even when we jump back in, he'll, he reluctantly, but he comes back and pulls us back out. Yeah. Yeah, he's faithful. Praise God. Uh, you know, just uh, like Mike said, to be being present and being in the midst of those sheep. And, and I certainly am a sheep. And so it's it's nice that he's present in my life, that he um, he, he really just, you know, he draws, draws you in. And uh, what I really like is the version that says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And there's so many times where we're so busy doing, doing, serving, working, and, uh, and he, he makes us to lie down and have rest. And we need that. 
And so I appreciate that. And, and so as a dad, I, I pray that that's something that I would instill in my, my kids, that um, we do all these great things. We serve God. We serve others. We're involved in sports and in school and our workplace, but we need to remember the time of rest. And so I appreciate that about God being making me to lie down in green pastures. Yeah, I think that um, God demonstrating God is all we need is... I think we can do that by just being a loving father who provides for all our children's needs, not everything they want, but their needs. And I think not just the basic things in life like clothing, shelter, food, uh, education, but uh, as a Christian family, provide for them godly wisdom and, and guidance and if necessary at times, well, when necessary at times, provide discipline in a, in a loving, firm fashion. So I think those are some of the things we can do to demonstrate that. But I like what you talk about as far as resting. I love those verses. You know, the Lord, is, he, he, lead, he makes us lie in green pastures and he leads us beside still waters. I like that passage because we definitely do need to rest in the presence of God. We need to rest in the presence of our family. God knew the allures of the world would kind of pull us away from all of that. And I think those relationships are the most important thing. I also love those verses because I'm a golfer and I have a plaque on my wall that says, Lord, let my golf balls lie on green pastures, not in still waters. Yeah, and like I said, Jerry and I get out and play and so, you know, if you could just pray that over his game a little bit more, it might it might happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm old enough to be your father. You need some discipline yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Um, you know, as Mike, when we haven't talked about this yet, we, we've kind of gone through this passage a few times together, but one of the things that Mike just said about God being present with the sheep, it's hard not to think of John chapter 10 where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And so not only is, was, is God present among us now in his spirit, not only was he present among his people in the Old Testament through his word and his power, but Jesus is that ultimate expression of the good shepherd, being among the people, God transcending to us, becoming human, joining us, knowing our frailties, and guiding us through all of the failures that we could experience as humans. He overcame them. Uh, he remained perfect. And so truly amazing what he did for us as the good shepherd. Um, and then instilling that, that into our kids, I think, you know, we, we do that through, Mike, you mentioned prayer. We do that through, uh, going to God when things are difficult, you know? So is it, is it difficult to live with Christ as sufficient in your life? And how can a father demonstrate this, um, that Jesus is all that we need? And so I, I think prayer is a big part of that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've, um, over the years have tried to instill in my kids is just praying over them, praying with them on a daily basis. In the beginning when they were young, it's kind of awkward. And I've even had other dads and it's like, well, where do I start to start with a small prayer? And then you continually do it, do it every night, even when you don't want to, so that they can see that, that you're relying on God. And when you're going to prayer with them and praying over them, they see in the prayers evolve and they evolve into what their needs are and as they get more complex of who they are and then the kids will come to you later on they're like I'm struggling with this and you can sit down and pray with them and know that you know I have confidence that 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 God is going to take care of this and even with my daughter one of my daughters um, I started really seeing it be fruitful because well, I'd come home late at night sometimes and she wouldn't go to bed until I would pray with her so she's sitting there up there waiting for me mm -hmm. and it, it was a it was a neat experience to see that they are taking it on to their own to pray with God mm 
Yeah, my kids like to do stuff like that too. They need all these 25 different things before they can fall asleep. No, but prayer, prayer is, is, is a good one um, that we want to be doing with our children. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the other part of that, how can a father demonstrate life with Jesus is all that we need. You guys, Jerry or, or Ty, you have something you would add to that? Well, I, could, I guess I could say, I think when Hilltop went to Jacks Valley Elementary School and we began teaching the Bible to those kids about four years ago, I was the teacher of the Bible that first year. And what I taught them was, I started to teach them first that Jesus wasn't just sufficient for our life, he was necessary for our life, that we were all sinful and we all needed a savior. And then I would lead them to the Bible and show them the significance of Christ's death and his resurrection and, and things like that. And then I would just, we'd read other stories throughout the year of, of how God and the Father and Jesus, the Son, were loving and they were trustworthy and they wanted what was best for us and they were always with us and those kind of things. And they comfort, I think that comforts the kids. Yeah, kind of that ongoing um, pointing them to where the source of life is, right? Um, where, where do we go for life? And David says next in, in verse 3, he says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And so we have this restoration and righteousness that we, we get through our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so he renews my life. We know that there's a one-time place where that happens, where we used to be spiritually dead, and we come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ, and we're, we're, we're made alive spiritually for the first time. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that we're born again, right? And so we go through that process of being born again, and our life is renewed, and we have this restored relationship with God. But then I think there's sort of an ongoing restoration day by day, moment by moment of seeking relationship with God. Where am I, where am I going for life? Where am I going to have uh, my life renewed over and over again? Um, and that would be t hopefully to the Lord. And then he leads me along the right path for his name's sake. And so we see that we have this restoration and righteousness. And so what does it mean to have a restored relationship with God? And how can we pass the good news on to our children? Well, for me, I, I came to Christ when I was 25, and so there was a, a whole life before that. And uh, like Kurt said in John chapter 3, where you're born again, and, and what a great experience to be born again. And to know that God is restoring my soul. He restored my soul. He gave me a new heart, and, uh, but it didn't stop there. He continues to restore my soul. Uh, and, and it's just such a great picture that we can go to the Father, that Christ has split the veil. We can enter the Holy of Holies, and I can come straight to him, and I can confess of my sin. I can repent, and, I, and he is righteous, and he is faithful to lead me in that path of righteousness. And that path of righteousness is not for my glory, but for his and especially as a teacher, uh, to have an opportunity where students and other, other teachers, they know my faith, and, and so they can come to me and ask me questions. Um, and, and I can share with them openly about what Christ has done in my own life. And we can all do that in, in any situation that we're in, whether it be at home with your family or at work or uh, just in the neighborhood with your, with your neighbors. And so he's continually restoring my soul um, I praise God for that because I was not um, who he intended me to be prior to uh, giving my life to him. And I would like to touch on the daily restoration because I think that's a really an important aspect of our lives. We need to pass it down onto our kids. 
Um, I have a job that I don't always like, and I go in early sometimes to try and pray or read my Bible, and a lot of times work would just creep into that. But I know those days that I did separate that out, it really helped me move forward because things are just kind of a mess. We've lost a lot of people at work. I'm sure no one else has done has any of those kind of problems. And it's just what, what needs to get done, and those are the kind of the prayers. I'd be like, God, just bless the work that I do, and so I can show my coworkers, pray for these coworkers that aren't Christian, and just pray for this work. And then even just reading the Bible in the morning, God would reveal stuff to me that I could pass on to my kids. And But if you're not reading, you're not in the Word, you don't have anything to pass on to your kids. And it'd just be something that it, it just popped into my mind. Uh, Ariana was talking about that last night, and I'd come up and God would reveal something when I couldn't answer it last night, but now I can answer it. And I would bring that back to her later that night. And so I think that's in our daily walks with God, being restored daily, you know, through prayer and reading the Word, we can bring that into our kids' lives. Yeah. Yeah, so what comes to mind when you hear the word righteousness and how can we lead our children with mercy and grace towards what is good, right, and eternal? And, uh, you know, what comes to your mind when you hear the word righteousness? Hopefully it's not what you see in the mirror. Um, you know, like me, right? Um, it's not me. This is righteousness comes from God. Uh, and hopefully he's developing that in me, his ways and what is, what is right and good and true, not just in our culture, but eternally. What are the eternal truths that God has revealed to us? And how am I walking in line with those things? Um, obviously, the reflection in the mirror is dim. And, and we hope that as time goes by, we become more and more like Jesus in his ways. But I think one of the biggest ways that we can demonstrate righteousness to our children is to admit our own failures. Um, the places where we need mercy and grace. Uh, going to our children and saying that we've messed up and that we're, we're asking for forgiveness. Um, I, I think if we're not willing to go and ask for forgiveness, then what we demonstrate is um, possibly sort of that, that legalistic pharisaical mindset that, that I've done what I need to do and I'm just fine. Um, versus somebody that constantly is in need of God's mercy, forgiving me for what I've done wrong and his grace, enabling me to live a new life moving forward. Um, and so I don't know, that's kind of what I think about when I think about righteousness and how we can help our children is being willing to um, acknowledge the places where we've messed up and seek forgiveness with our, with our own children, I think is a big part of it. Yeah, I'm going to add something to that too, because I think that we can try to raise our children with godly values and guidance and direction and all that, but our kids are not always going to walk godly ways. And I think Satan's going to get in our, in our space and say, you failed your kids. And he's going to lay that guilt trip on you. Don't fall for Satan's lies. If you've done your best to raise your children, the rest is up to God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a that, that, that could be the way that you're looking at your children, or that could be different interactions as well. Maybe you've got a friend or a family member that you've really been um, working to instill the gospel in and lead them to Jesus Christ. I think it's good to know that, you know, we need to be faithful to the relationships that God has put in front of us, and we need to be faithful to uh, walk in God's spirit in those places. But whether or not someone believes or not, that's between them and the Lord. The results are really up to God and the person's individual choices. And we know that our children don't always make the best individual choices. We know that we don't always make the best choices. Um, but in the end, we, we, we pray that our children's heart is moving towards God and not away from Him. But ultimately, we, we don't control that either. And I think that's a good thing to remember um, that that we can have courage and comfort, right? That we can have courage that even though we go through 
the darkest valley, we fear no danger, for God is with us, um, that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And so when we talk about the, the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, uh, that's, that's understanding that in this world and in this life, we all experience death. Um, and that could, not just physical death, which happens all around us all the time, but also the spiritual death that sin is a part of this world. Um, and sin has broken the world, and sin has caused there to be uh, strife between us and God and strife between each other. And so we understand that we live in a world where there, there is death, and yet we, fear no, we have no fear of danger. And the reason why is because God is with us. And that's really the source of courage is our relationship with God. And, and the comfort being that his rod and his staff are guiding us. And so what area of life has God challenged you um, in the most to have courage? And why is it important to demonstrate confidence in Jesus to our children? Well, I had an interesting story with this. Is uh, My daughter's going into high school and over at Sierra Lutheran. And during that process, the principal interviews her the parents and us and she's asking some questions he was asking her questions and one of them was was a characteristic of your dad that you most admire you know something along the lines of being courageous or courage and that's how she responded and it kind of took me back because if you ask me what my characteristic was that wasn't at the top of the list at all I'm quite reserved you know I'm more in the background I'm loyal and those kind of things so I really had to kind of think about it where she got that from and it started kind of building up of like just doing the right thing um, with our lives, even when it's hard, and relying on God for that. And like, um, I have several examples of that when I was thinking through. But one of them came when we went. To, I went on a mission trip to Cambodia a few years ago. It was right as the pandemic was unfolding, and all we knew at the time was that you know people and you know on the news people are dying over in China, and um, that's where we were going through. We were going through Hong Kong, and even our leader was like, "Do we still want to go through with this?" And all of us were like, "Yeah, we're going to go through with it." God's goddess, that's what he's going to provide us. And there, there was a little bit of hesitation, but it was relying on God for that courage. And, I mean, we, we, made, we, we went through there. We even thought, you know, because it, it looked pretty bad at the time. Now, looking back, it wasn't as bad. But, I mean, there was times where the, the country could shut down and be stuck over there. Or we could even get sick and die. And there's not really hospitals in Cambodia. There's not, there's not a lot for that. But we said that, you know, if, if it's, it, I'd rather go out in a blaze of glory for God of dying for him. And I, I, I told that to my wife. My wife agreed. And I'm sure our kids overheard it. Of like God, And then God's going to take care of no matter what happens in that process. I mean, there's even one point leaving the, the country. We were told we had to leave a day earlier because they were locking down the airports. They took all our passports. And that's the one thing they tell you. Don't lose your passport. Don't have anyone take away from it. Luckily, it was just a small miscommunication. But at that hot point, I was like, this has gotten real. I'm stuck now. Mm. <laughs> And just, but it came back to like, it's not my strength, it's not my courage, it's the, what God's done through me and put through me through, and just knowing that he got my back no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I appreciate that story that Mike shares, that his daughter recognizes courage as a characteristic that, that he possesses and that he shares or shows, and, uh, but he didn't recognize that. And, and as we were talking, that's something I was like, I don't see myself as being courageous either. And then Mike jumps in and says, well, Ty, you lead Fellowship of Christian Athletes on a public school campus. And I thought, well, that's not being courageous, but it is. And, and so to have, our, to have time with brothers and sisters in Christ and our own children that, they, that others can, can point out, here's the characteristic I see in you. 
and, and when we don't see that in ourselves. Um, and, and something else that Jerry said that I, I really appreciate is um, in raising our, our children, um, I have my two oldest kids, uh, there's an estranged relationship with me and the two of them, and, and it used to really bring me down. Um, and, and I have a, a, another really great friend, and he shared with me, similar to what Jerry said, is I, I raised them, I brought them to church, I dedicated them in the church, and, and I raised them in such a way, but it's not my responsibility that they come to the Lord and that they put their, their faith in Him. And that gave me a sense of peace that transcends all understanding. And, and so I would encourage that, that you are meeting regularly with believers with, uh, and fellowshipping and, and sharing stories with one another, but also encouraging uh, one another because that has just brought me a ton of encouragement. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is, as I had an opportunity several times, but most recently when I went to Carson High School to speak at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and did a gospel presentation and... Um, one of the girls stayed afterwards and she talked with Ty and I, and uh, she was asking us questions about human sexuality. So here's like the hot button issue in our culture, and we're in a public school setting, and a young lady asks us some questions about human sexuality. And with um, tact and grace, um, but truth, honesty, not holding anything back, we talked to her about what the Bible has to say about human sexuality. Um, and you told me that this girl has been coming to FCA pretty much every week since then. She's, yeah, she's continued joining us every week. And even at the end of the year, she says, Mr. McMillan, I'll be back next year for FCA. And she's just so excited about it. And, and, uh, and it was, it was a great opportunity to one, build a relationship with, with, with a young lady who she thought, God, does God love me if I live this way and what a question to be asked and and then it's a stop and say god help me because mm -hmm. i can't answer this question on my own and he did and kurt was there and another ministry leader brother of ours was there and and it just turned into such a wonderful conversation and then there's been other conversations that are very similar to that. Yeah, and what I would say is in those circumstances, be brave, you know, have, have courage and speak the truth. And I think that that's something that is a demonstration to our children, that we're not afraid to take on the difficult topics. We don't just kind of cave into what's going on in the culture around us, but we engage those difficult top topics with grace, with tact, but with 100% truthfulness of what the Bible has to say. Uh, don't back down from those things. I think that's a big witness to our children. Um, and it's a lot of the questions they're, they're going to be faced with and asking, no question about it. Um, and then this next part, he talks about how God's rod and staff are comforting to him. Now, if you know how a shepherd uses a rod or a staff, sometimes it could be comforting and sometimes it could be uh, quite disciplinary. Um, and so, you know, why are God's rod and staff comforting and how can we discipline our children in a way that teaches them to experience correction as a good thing? I have a personal testimony about how I believe that um, discipline can be good. Um, I grew up a daddy's boy. I love my father. My father and I did everything together. He loved me. We played, we played golf. We played in the city softball leagues. We hunted. We fished. We did so many other things. But when I was about 11 years old, I was in a shopping mall. I saw a comb, and I picked it up, and I don't know if I thought it was too much for, to pay for a comb or I didn't have the money. 
But I, did, I put two combs into my back pocket and walked out the door. When I got there, there was this large man who stood right in front of me and he reached around me and he took the two combs out of my pocket and he said, you have two choices here, son. We can call the police or we can call your parents. So as I'm riding my bicycle down the street, I can see my mother standing on the sidewalk down there and she said, just go to your room. We'll deal with this when your father gets home. So when my dad got home from work, I could hear him talking out there and he came into the room and he said, take your pants down and he took off his belt and I got a belt for the first time and the last time in my life. And what I remembered about that is that, yeah, it hurt, but I could see that it was hurting my father probably more than it was hurting me. And what I remembered afterwards was like, you know, it didn't bother me so much that I had taken the combs. It didn't bother me so my bottom was sore. But it bothered me that it hurt my dad because I loved my dad. And I could see that it hurt him because he loved me. And he didn't want me to, to, to do the, those kind of things that he was trying to raise me in godly ways. And, and so honestly, I think I, I grew up a little bit that day. But I could say that it, would go, it could have gone a whole lot different if he'd have come in there and said, you stupid kid, what were you thinking? That's not how your mother and I are trying to raise you. We're trying to raise you with godly values. So drop those pants. I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. But he disciplined me firmly but lovingly. And, and I think that's, that's how it can be good because I think it changed me. And... Guys, anything you want to add on that? God's, God's discipline and uh, teaching our kids to view correction as a good thing? Yeah, I think um, just even as a, a father and an adult, you know, we, we need that correction. I mean, and God, God corrects us. And it, there's this comfort in knowing that, that he's not going to let me stray too far. Because, you know, as going back to that sheep analogy, you know, if a sheep's running off a cliff, you know, I've heard, I think it was Ty saying that this, the shepherd would actually throw the staff out to either scare it, stop it. And that's what sometimes God would does us when we're, we're heading in the wrong direction. You know, we're looking at something we aren't because sin will take you farther than you want to be taken. And, you know, um, he knows we, you know, we're faulty, we're broken, we messed up. And it, it draws us back in knowing, you know, that he wants us to have a good marriage. He wants us to have good ki- a, a good relationship with our kids and be a good product of society, but not to uh, fall away from that. And, and so it, it, I get comfort knowing that God's going to stop me if I'm going off mm-hmm. too wrong. And then with, when we discipline our kids, you know, in the moment, you're probably not going to be able to explain to them what's going on because emotions are running high, but explain to them later on, especially when they're younger, why you're doing it and what you did. Because sometimes they're just like, my dad told me not to do that. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> and, and, and walk them through that and then explain to them and then even bring the Bible and God into it and, and explain, even be open and honest. So like, I messed up as a kid, you know, and this is where God's corrected me or my dad corrected me. Hmm. Yeah, I think if we if we want our children to view correction as a good thing, are we do we view it as a good thing when it shows up in our life? If God is bringing correction into our life, do we respond to it well? Do we gripe about it? Do we get upset with God, or do we go through the difficult times of correction with God with a mindset of of, of we want to grow, we want to learn, we want to become closer to God? Um, and I think that the, our children will emulate, emulate what we do. Um, and a lot of things are, um, they're just as much or more caught than they are taught, right? And so the way that we respond to God, I think, has a, has a big influence on whether or not our kids will respond the same way to correction. Um, the next two things that David talks about is having a, a sense of happiness and holiness with God. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. Um, I was talking with another a really good friend um, about this passage, and one of the things that we talked about was if we were to try and name our enemies, what would we name? Um, would we name people? Um, hopefully not. You know, would we name our own sin patterns? Would we name uh, the the demonic forces that are behind sort of the the movements in our world right now? Would we be able to put our, our finger on what our real true enemies are? And I think that sin is going to have to be at the top of the list. And then, you know, what would they be for you personally? Um, would they would it be anger and impatience? Would it be um, gossip and love of money? Would it be, I mean, it could be a whole bunch of different things. But I wanted to read this quote when it comes to happiness and, and sin. It says, no sin has ever made any person happy. Sin simply cannot bring happiness, but it can deliver pleasure. And when we confuse pleasure with happiness, we are wide open to the seduction of the enemy. Um, and I think that that's just such a true statement, that sin can deliver pleasure. Um, you can give in to sin and, and have a moment of pleasure, but it will not bring contentment. It will not bring happiness. It will not bring what you're looking for in the long term. And when we confuse pleasure with happiness, we're wide open to the seduction of the, of the enemy. And so uh, the true enemy is, is that there are spiritual forces that want to draw us away from God and lead us to believe that pleasure is where we're going to be um, experiencing the best life rather than contentedness with God. Um, and so that's what that table in the presence of his enemies is. It's regardless of circumstances, uh, I have contentedness because I have relationship with God. And then this anointing my head with oil and my cup overflowing. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit and how God's presence is with us at all times. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe that he died on the cross to save you from your sins. He went into that grave. He rose up and defeated both sin and death. And you have new life in him. The scriptures teach that you have become actually a temple, a house of the Holy Spirit. And God lives inside of us if we're followers of Jesus Christ. And so we have this this holiness that we've been set apart, that we've been marked out as God's own. And so how do happiness and holiness intertwine? And how can we train ourselves and our children to want what God wants? I think happiness, or holiness to me is just being, as you said, set apart from God. We belong to God. And to me, happiness is, is an emotion of being content, fulfilled. And to me, knowing that I will walk for eternity with my father in heaven, in paradise. He's already won the battle. Um, that makes me happy. <laughs> that makes my cup overflow. So yeah, that's how they intertwine, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have something you want to add there? Well, with the holy, when I think of holiness, like God is the ultimate holiness, of course. And so being in his presence, and we can be through that because we've been saved and been redeemed, then we can experience that happiness. I mean, there's so many times through the Bible it says God is a joyful God, God is a happy God. He is the author of happiness. Hmm. So if we want to go to the true well fulfillment of happiness, we need to be in the presence of God. We get little bits and tastes of that through our lives and all the things that we, we tend to chase after instead of God, but those are just little bits of it, the true happiness and is, found in, is, is found in that. And then when we're talking about these things with our kids, if all they hear us talking about is vacations and all these other, you know, material things or just experiences, then that's what they're going to think happiness is. But if we're talking about eternal, having more of an eternal perspective and then being with God and having those God conversations at the dinner table and then interacting with our wives or our friends and family, that really will demonstrate that we, well, we, when we know that we're not just 
talking about it. Right. Yeah, I think that as Christians, we should have a settled disposition that regardless of our circumstances, it's good to be with God. Um, and, you know, they, they say happiness happens and joy is eternal. So happiness tends to be circumstantial. How are things going right now? Joy is, a, is kind of what you're talking about. Long term, I know what's happening here because God has revealed it to me. But I don't think we should take those two things and put them in separate buckets. I think that happiness and joy should be co-joined, uh, recognizing that regardless of my circumstances, I can be content because I have God with me. Um, and long term, that's going to develop a sense of joy within me. And that's where we kind of realize it re really is a privilege uh, to, to know God and be at peace with him, which is the last verse here. It says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Those words, goodness and faithful love, if you were to go to Exodus chapter 34 and look at how God describes himself to Moses, those are two of the words that God uses to describe himself, and the writers of the Old Testament use them over and over again. Goodness being God's he loves to give and bless people out of the bounty of what he has and who he is. He is he just is somebody that loves to bless. He is good. Um, and then faithful love is, uh, is, is a never stopping, never giving up, unconditional, always going to love you, right? Uh, that's, that's an amazing thing about who God is. And so that goodness and that faithful love, that loyal love is something that's going to pursue us all the days of our life as we're in Christ Jesus. And that is a privilege. Um, it truly is a place of, of undeserved favor that God has given to us, a, a wonderful pr privilege. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live and we have peace with God um, regardless of our circumstances. And so... Do you believe that your walk with God causes your children, or maybe you're out there grandparents, your grandchildren, to view knowing Jesus as a privilege or as a chore? Well, I certainly, um, I, my heart knows that it's a privilege to know Christ and to serve Him. And, uh, and so if I'm leaving on a Monday night to go to a men's Bible study or I get up real early on Tuesday morning to meet with some brothers of mine in a Bible study, uh, my my daughter, when she sees me leaving the home, uh, she sees joy. It's not a burden. It's not something that I'm not looking forward to doing. And and it's the time with those around me that that uh, brings so much joy. The, who are are believers, like minded. And uh, you know, for example, two weeks ago we went up to the lake to pick up the pine needles and pine cones at the crew camp, and my daughter came with me. And she was able to experience and also witness the joy and fellowship between the brothers that were there with me and she and I. And it was true joy. It was serving God and, and through serving this Christian camp. And she had joy. And so bringing our kids with us to experience these uh, opportunities to serve uh, and let them see what a, what a great time it is. I tell people on Sundays, it's like a family reunion, seeing all of you walk through those doors and, and getting to shake your hand or give you a hug. Um, it just brings so much joy into my life. And so I would definitely say that my daughter sees that my relationship with Christ is, is not a burden. It's not a chore. It's a privilege. It's a joy. And I would encourage you guys uh, with, with young kids to, in, to include them in your serving uh, and let them experience that joy for themselves, and, and then they'll grow into that. 
Yeah, I would definitely say it's a privilege. I mean, just like you were saying, God, everything good comes from God. He continually wants to bless us. So that's where I see all my blessings coming from. And we try and emulate that to our kids and tell them about it. And it's not just me. It's just not your mother or the world around you. These things truly are from God. Every good thing comes from God. And this, uh, he gives us hope. And, you know, I mean, I've struggled with things in the past and still do of anxiety and depression and those things. And God gives me hope through all these things, gives me a purpose. I know that he loves me and it's, it's allowed me to overcome those things and then to continue to live my life even with those struggles. So I definitely say it's a privilege. Yeah. And then the last question here is how does being at peace in troubled waters demonstrate this, that it's a privilege to, to know God? And uh, we were talking about this and actually Brendan's story last week, Brendan and Heather, if, if you know um, Brendan, our next gen pastor, he and his wife, Heather, they had twins, Forrest and Finley, and uh, Finley passed away. And Brendan shared the story of basically looking at his life and saying it felt like we were just in a, in a sea of, of, of loss, in a sea of hurt, in a sea of um, just pain. But they, they stayed on the rock in the middle of that sea, which was their relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and what a testimony that is. Um, and and don't, Brendan, didn't he do a great job last week? It was such a pleasure to have him teach. Um, but just a beautiful picture that he showed us of in the deepest time of loss that he's known in his life, that sea of, of pain where, where he found his foundation was the same foundation for the rest of his life. And that was on Jesus Christ. And he gave him peace even in those very troubled uh, times. And so as we think about Psalm 23, I'll show you these words once more. Um, and, and I'm telling you, everybody's looking for these things. I don't care who you are this morning, you're looking for these things. Every human being needs security in a relationship with God. Um, everybody is looking to be fulfilled and sufficient and receive what they need from God. Um, everybody needs restoration of relationship with God and the restoration of our soul on a regular basis. Um, you may or may not recognize it, but you want to live right and be just and do what's best. And, and God offers us answers to all of these things in himself. Everyone wants to be courageous. Everyone needs comfort. Um, we want to live happy, fulfilled lives. We want to be holy and live a life that matters not just here and now, but, but for eternity. And I think everybody would love to be in the privileged place of, of being at peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for them. And so I don't know which ones of those words stand out to you the most. You might go, boy, I really am not experiencing peace. I'm really not experiencing whatever. Maybe there's two or three of them up there that you're like, man, uh, I don't know. And what I can tell you is that your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the answer to all of these things. Uh, and the amazing thing is that God is then going to cause us to be transformed into the image of his son. And then these things are going to come out of us in our relationships with our, with our spouse, with our children, with our grandchildren. All these things are going to be manifested in and through us as Jesus Christ is leading us, as he's acting as the good shepherd in our lives. And so um, just kind of take a look at the list and go, God, I'm, I'm really looking for more comfort in my life and turn to him and talk to him about it. God, I'm really looking for more courage to speak up for you. God, I, I'm not experiencing peace or I wouldn't describe myself as happy and contented. Um, you know, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Who, who is yours? Who's your shepherd? Who are you turning to for leadership and life? Um, 
Let me pray on that note. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd, that your son Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And he has drawn us in through his, his love. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your faithful love. It's your goodness that leads us to turn away from our old lives and to you as our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning that hasn't made that decision, that today would be their day of salvation, that they would look upon your son Jesus as their good shepherd, that they would submit their lives to being led by him, trusting that his death on the cross is sufficient to pay for their sin, that his resurrection from the dead has defeated death and given them new life, that they have been born again this morning as they've trusted your son Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for those that know you, that you would encourage us, that you would give us peace, that we would recognize the place of privilege that we have with you, uh, and that we would share that place with others. God, lead the men in this room. I, I truly believe that dads should be the number one disciple makers in the course of human history. And so, God, will you lead the dads in this room to be disciple makers of their children, um, cause them to walk in ways that... Uh, honor you and lead their children to want relationship with you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God, and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.